It's the month of February, and there's so much to celebrate. Whether you appreciate black history or Cupid got you a hot date. But this month is historic in a whole other way. It marks the real beginning of 2023 with so many games we can play. We got Forspoken in this corner and Hi-Fi Rush in your ear. We're getting charged for Atomic Heart and Starfield still sometime this year. We talked about what Xbox will deliver, and maybe Nintendo will show us Zelda again, while PlayStation's poised to put the VR industry on its end. The long and short of it is, this will be a great year for play, so stick around with us at G3 as we start on our way. Welcome back to another episode of the G3 Podcast, gaming's greatest generation podcast, where we discuss the news, reviews, and culture surrounding video games. Whether watching on YouTube or listening on our partner platforms, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, among others, feel free to like, subscribe, and share with a friend so we can keep bringing you great gaming content. Ladies and gentlemen, your boy, the host, the one and only... Known as Ice on the Ones and Twos. And coming to you as well, Mr. Player 2 himself, the man, the myth, the legend. Mr. Mow Them Down, Matt. What's going on, brother? How you doing this evening? What's up, dude? I'm good. Good. I'm happy to be here. Uh, you know, I have a whole lot to offer for an intro other than uh, wake up, Mark. Wake up. That's, uh, yeah, no. Nah. <laughs> How you doing, bro? <laughs> hey, you know, I'm hanging in there. It is February. It is a new month. We had a new rhyme. And, and let's be clear. It is Black History Month, but, you know, as well as some of the things that we'll talk about uh, with dealing with representation uh, and other topics of that nature in the gaming sphere, uh, I don't think that we need to only be focused on people, no matter what their race, creed, religion, or color, uh, on a single month out of the year. I think we can celebrate people year-round. I think that's safe to say. So, with that being said, uh, we're going to go ahead and get into... Uh, the first and foremost section. Good news, everyone! Of course, that would be the news. So, uh, we got a lot to cover, guys. So, we're gonna go ahead and I'm gonna try and run through, uh, you know, Mr. Mow Them Down and I, he, he's, he, he's, he's quick on the trigger. So, we're gonna go ahead and try to, try to play keep up here because there was just a buttload of gaming news that came out, uh, this week. And we're gonna go ahead and try to keep up. By the way... You're listening to episode 75. What what is what is 75? The diamond anniversary? I don't know. It's it's something super super significant in that regard. But this is episode 75 of the G3 podcast and we're recording this on uh, February 4th. So there you go. Um, so a couple a couple of these pieces of news. Oh my goodness, I just got rid of our <laughs> I just got rid of the notes. Oh well. Anyways, um, yeah. So the first thing coming out of uh, PC Gamer, and this is just a couple days ago. So basically, according to uh, CompuBench, which is not, you know, it, give or take on whether or not uh, you know that is the most reputable of sources, uh, some new hardware has been spotted, and it appears that it could possibly be a new 16-core Intel Arc GPU. So we know that Intel was already talking about introducing the Arc GPUs. Uh, sometime early last year, I want to say. And then we saw the 750 and 770 models uh, come on out. 
excuse me, the A750 and A770 models. Uh, and they were kind of aimed at kind of that mid-tier uh, graphics card performance, if you will. But uh, so now some of these, uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. We're showing 256 compute units uh, and roughly 2,400 megahertz, so 2.4 gig uh, clock speed, which isn't bad for a GPU. Um, but yeah, I mean, so, so basically, Matt, what are we thinking? Again, this isn't really like the most... Uh, reputable, but we're, we're kind of trying to keep our ear to the ground for any competition out there in the GPU sphere. Is this something that, uh, you know, you're going to keep an eye on as you keep working on building something of a rig together? Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I, I'm not sure that Intel is necessarily offering something yet that is maybe what I'm looking for as far as like an ideal build, but, uh, but that's going to take me a while to, to put together. So yeah, I mean, if, you know, somebody's looking for kind of a, a you know, medium solid performance you know for your your inputs uh i guess financially kind of pc rig i i think that these are probably pretty good options for you i mean we discussed that previously with the 770 and 750 don't know you know anything more about exactly how this one's going to work out it's a rumor anyway but uh but yeah we'll see i i'm definitely curious to see what they continue coming out with it is nice to have you know a third option some some fresh blood sort of i guess uh, some some old blood uh, brought back into the fight here <laughs> yeah most definitely uh speaking of some fresh blood so we have a new competitor in the uh, hardware space particularly when it comes to the controller um so the next next couple pieces of news so there was a lot like i said to talk about in the news guys so we're gonna try to break it down into chunks and i'll, I'll rattle through some of these um in those chunks and then we'll discuss them in detail as, as a group as as host and co-host here um, but basically, so should be no surprise, Sony's DualSense Edge controller came out at a whopping $200. Uh, looks and sounds like it does pretty good. A, a lot of folks who have gotten it in their hands basically have had more or less the same thing to say. It's really great utilitarian piece of hardware. Um, goes ahead and has a little less battery life than uh, a standard DualSense controller. Um, but begs the question for some, especially thrifty gamers or more frugal gamers out there who might not be able to afford this $200 hardware, is it, you know, the worth the bang for buck, if you will? Um, another piece of news coming out of PlayStation Blog, uh, they have introduced on an invite-only basis the beta for Discord voice chat, VRR, uh, variable refresh rate support, as well as 1440p output, which kind of comes on the heels of uh, PlayStation previously announcing their was it M3? I'm thinking almost like BMWs, but they're like the M3 and the M5 uh, monitors. M5 and M9. M5 and M9. Maybe those. Um, but so this is, you know, it, it's very much a monitor uh, output resolution. And so if folks in the UK, where were the regions again? So uh, US, UK, uh, Canada, Japan, and Germany and France, if you got one of those invites, you might be able to try that out and uh, see how all those features work. Uh, another piece of news coming out of, um, well, this we're sourcing out of The Verge, but it comes out of PlayStation proper, is the fact that apparently the PS5 hardware shortage is over. Um, PlayStation execs have gone ahead and said that they uh, have worked out the kinks within their supply chain, and we should be able to see much more PS5s available on the market. I, I can speak for myself that when I looked at PlayStation Direct last time, which wasn't too long ago, I had the opportunity to 
click and buy a PS5. Now, mind you, I already have one, so uh, that wasn't a thing for me, but hopefully that means that the folks who have yet to get a PS5 will have an easier time doing so. Uh, and then I think this is our last big piece of PS5 news. Um, you got three months. So basically, uh, PlayStation Plus Collection, for those that remember, if you were able to get a PS5 thus far, um, the when you went ahead and you linked your PS Plus account with that PS5 hardware, you were able to get what they call the PS Plus Collection. So it was a collection of about 20 different games, or it was 20 different games, uh, across PS4 era that were some heavy hitters. Uh, we're talking everything from... Uh, Batman Arkham Knight, Call of Duty Black Ops 3, I thought we had a God of War in there, yeah, God of War 2018 was in there, uh, Mortal Kombat X, uh, Ratchet and Clank, the 2016 game, I mean, these are there's there's some really good first parties in there, as well as third parties, uh, PlayStation has, however, announced that basically they are going to be uh, dismissing that PS Plus collection as of May 9th, so if you have yet to get your hands on a PS5 console and link your uh, PSN account, uh, so or excuse me, your PS Plus account, so that way you can have access to those games. Highly, highly recommend you get to do that because that is, I mean, really, that's like seven, several hundred dollars worth of uh, games and, and real quality ones um, that you could get your hands on and start your PS5 game collection off right. So, Mr. Motham, now, whew, ah, while I take a <laughs> breath, uh, feel free. Again, we know that you don't have a PlayStation, but uh, let us know uh your thoughts and comments on a lot of this playstation news yeah i mean uh i guess i'll kind of tackle that last one first and say that uh now i guess maybe i'm wondering if uh, i guess that in combination with the fact that you'll be able to get one uh now now maybe i'm having to start wondering about my timetable here because yeah that is that is a a good deal for uh you know the 20 games you get access to and i mean admittedly you were saying something about linking it to uh to your console but i mean can can I get on Sony's like? Is there a website well, somewhere for PlayStation or something? Can yeah, I, I mean, can I sign and, up for the service and so, somehow redeem the games or something against an account? <laughs> so yeah, I mean, like, so understand, right? The the base PlayStation Plus account is the whole. Ugh, I might be talking out of turn because I'm I'm on a higher subscription level, so I don't remember what it. I want to say it's five dollars a month. It might be it might be ten dollars a month. It's basically the equivalent of uh, Xbox Live. Um, yeah. yeah. So, but going ahead and signing up, um, you know, it'll cost you a couple bucks or whatever. Um, yeah. The the interesting thing is, um, they do have the quote here saying, "For as long as you're a PlayStation Plus member, so it's it's got that that hook there that as long as you're right. paying that fee, that annual fee, um, which you know is fine because you're also going to get games, free games yeah. every month." gold and everything anyway too, which so. i mean if we're if we're being real like playstation's monthly game offerings are just laying xbox to waste um and they come out far you know they come out monthly like xboxes does uh and then comparison with like the nintendo switch online games offerings which come out ever so often i mean everybody's kind of got their gimmick now right yeah. um but yeah for for playstation I, i'll say being uh, a PlayStation gamer for a while, being uh, a PS4, I've had a PS4, PS4 Pro, now PS5. Um, a lot of these titles in here are really good titles. Like Detroit Become Human is in yeah. that list, and I 100% see <laughs> that a game you would want to play. <laughs> yeah, it's 100% one that I have a lot of interest yeah. in. Yeah. So. Um, uh, you know, God of War 2018, if you don't get your hands on it for PC, which it is available for, that's in there. Bloodborne. 
which has yet to see a PC release. That's a that's a great game. That is also available in there. So it's a it's a hefty it's a hefty list. Agreed. Yeah. Um, beyond that, uh, the, the controller. I I don't know. From from what I've heard, the functionality is pretty cool. Uh, insofar as yeah, if you're kind of a budget conscious uh, gamer, it's probably not really going to be worth the investment for you. But that's not really you know to whom it is being marketed, right? I mean, it is kind of the the elite controller, the pro controller, or whatever. So if you have the two hundred bucks to blow on it, want to do so, it does sound like it's pretty cool. I will say that the battery life is uh, that's that's a rough proposition for me, but uh, it is what it is, I guess. Um, yeah, eight eight hours. I think is like what the, the estimated. I mean, life dude, you like, think it's like, rough for you? Like when I sit down <laughs> for a PlayStation gaming session, like if I if I get a really good stride going and I manage to sit there for a couple hours, like I start getting the the icon pop up, like hey, your your controller is dying, and I'm just like, dude, I just took it off the charger this morning. So that's my that's probably my one biggest complaint with this generation on on the PlayStation side is like they need to. They need to figure that out. I get it. It's got the haptics and, and everything that are involved yeah. in the controller, but, like, that battery life needs to be extended. Yeah, yeah, that's a... I, yeah, like, I was shocked to even see that it was that low. I didn't realize that they were that low on even just, like, the standard controller. It's That's a little disheartening. But, uh, but they do have a cool little, like, locking charging cable and stuff, whatever, so I don't know. It's It doesn't sound too bad overall. The functionality sounds nice. Uh, you would kind of proposed to mark for like a pc purchase or whatever as an accessory add-on and i i will say i don't know that i would recommend that for everybody right now simply because the expanded functionality isn't really available to you so you're pretty much just buying a dual sense controller that costs you know nearly three times the cost of a regular controller so uh yeah don't know if i'd recommend that for now but uh but for actual playstation people it uh i don't know sounds like it could be cool if you have the interest uh yeah, I don't know. That's that's all I got for Sony. <laughs> okay, sounds good. And let's see what else do we have? Yeah, cool. Uh so moving right along, it looks as though and we had a lovely little discussion about this piece online, but it appears like Hi-Fi Rush, that uh game that got stealth drop. I don't like saying shadow drop. I thought about that before the show. Like, I don't know why I don't know where shadow drop the connotation comes from. Like stealth literally is like unseen, unheard kind of deal. Like so I, I like using stealth drop, but anyways, whatever semantics. Um, the uh, the Game Pass game, well, Game Pass. I should just say the game. The game that Xbox went ahead and Tango GameWorks uh, stealth dropped on us, available in Xbox Game Pass, but also for individual purchase, um, is being really well received right now. Um, you know, I don't know if you got to play it, Matt. I did get to play this thing a little bit, and it's um, I. I knew going into it that I wasn't really a rhythm action game kind of person. And the, the game is definitely showing me that my opinion was accurate in that form. Um, but, but that being said, I think it's still cool. The animation is actually something that I'm not a huge, huge anime type guy, but I can definitely respect the art that, that is put into this game. It's very uh, well-crafted and very impressive and interesting. But um yeah, I think it's definitely worth a try. And right now, I mean, last I looked at it, I got to pull this back up here. But I think um, when we were looking uh, before the show, or I was looking before the show, particularly at Open Critic, 
I mean, it's sitting at a 90 right now. Critics recommend it 99%. So that's a pretty, pretty good look uh, for Xbox right now when they've been, you know, lacking on some first party content. And um, yeah, that, that's a good look for them. What, what doesn't seem to be a good look is apparently there's a message that's gone out. And this was initially brought to my attention via Wario64 on Twitter. But uh, Windows Central also did an article uh, talking about how if you have yet to purchase um, some of these Xbox 360 titles in the near future, as near as, what was the date we said? Beginning, okay, so this is the quote, beginning on February 7, 2023, a limited set of games, add-ons, and in-game content will no longer be purchasable in select markets via the Xbox 360 store. These titles will no longer be purchasable on the Xbox 360 store only, and the titles that are available to be purchased on the Xbox One, Xbox Series X and S stores will remain purchasable. You will still be able to play discs or previously downloaded games on your Xbox 360 and modern consoles if they are backward compatible titles, end quote. Um, so there was a little bit of confusion with this at first when this came out. It was like, wait a minute, so you're never going to get to play these games you know, ever again or purchase them ever again? But apparently they clarified it simply to say that um, if you have yet to migrate beyond the Xbox 360 generation, um, then you would not be able um, to buy these specifically on the Xbox 360 storefront. So it's not that big of a deal. And I say that in the sense of like what we saw the Xbox One generation get introduced in 2013. So we're, you know, 10 years beyond that now at this point. If someone's still rocking on a 360 um, you know, I understand that because that was Xbox's heyday insofar as like when they really hit stride and had a bunch of great titles and everything like that. Um, but that's still, you know, if you if you never wanted to jump to one of the newer consoles, whether it's, you know, the online um, connectivity and, and DRM checks or, or what have you, I could I can understand why it's a little bit of a bummer. Um, the last bit of and this is not necessarily xbox news specifically however i think people can understand why uh we feel it kind of ties in uh the sec so that's the u.s securities and exchange commissions has gone ahead and fined activision blizzard 35 million uh basically for going ahead and failing to follow through properly and and through uh necessary corporate and legal means uh on the complaints of workplace misconduct and we're talking about like some of the allegations of sexual misconduct, etc. So the SEC uh, went ahead and Activision Blizzard falls under the purview of the SEC because it's a publicly traded company. Um, but so because of basically them not following the law of the land, especially within the context of a pu publicly traded company, uh, they went ahead and fined them $35 million, which is, you know, for, for a major corporation like that, it it hurts. It's not, uh, it's not the end of the world, but I think for any Joe blow, like, like you and I, Mr. Mow them down that that's, that's quite a lot of money. What do you think about all this stuff when we're talking news regarding Xbox and, uh, it's maybe soon to be acquiries. Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, I couldn't afford 35 million. You are correct. Um, beyond that. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, happy to see hi-fi rush do well. Um, haven't had a chance to break into that one yet myself, so I don't really know uh, how to feel about it yet. Um, but I'm glad that it is, you know, seeing a positive response. Um, beyond that, 
yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, don't, I don't have a whole lot for them. Um, the, <laughs> the SEC thing on the Activision thing, I mean, that, that will be a bit of a damper, I guess, but I mean, I'm assuming they're just kind of hoping and waiting for the acquisition to go through Microsoft, I'm assuming is as well, and, you know, this helps frankly play into their case that they're you know gonna try and take over and clean all that up so uh yeah i don't know that's uh it's good to see that they're, they're taking action i guess against them just to you know acknowledge all the stuff that was going on with that but uh yeah that's that's all i got <laughs> all right cool 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 so that's, that's that's all we got for the xbox world um with that being said Oh man, so we got some 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 bad news to get through, and this is I want I want to try and get through this as quickly as possible because I know if we give Matt too much leeway, he's gonna talk for a while about this. Um, so basically, uh, what we've had is a couple of announcements have come out recently regarding some game cancellations, um, cancellations and or terminations, and it it's kind of sad because a lot of it revolves around the notion of games as a service or, or live service games um, knockout city so it was announced that knockout city if you remember that's that dodgeball style game that uh was published uh, by ea um that one is going to be closing closing forever but they're basically going to shut down the servers and if you have a online required game the game is pretty much dead um, but they're going to shut that down in june um we had another announcement that rumbleverse um which was you know, if you're familiar with it, it was one of those. Um, I don't. I don't want to say it's a. Uh, a, a um, it's it's a brawler. It's a brawler. I don't want to make the comparison because then that automatically sets it up for failure in some regard. Um, but it's a brawler game. That one is going to go ahead and uh, be going away in uh, here shortly. Uh, Apex Legends Mobile, Crossfire X, uh, and even Marvel's Avengers have have all talked about. Um, they're going ahead and not going to continue service beyond their respective end dates, but pretty much all of them fall within this year. So um, this is pretty saddening news. The article that we're uh, referencing this from is uh, game, from GameSpot, and it just highlights how it is so difficult, especially when you're talking about a live service game, to make it successful and, and give it some legs and let it, you know, let it walk around, get some breathing room. Um, it's so difficult when you go ahead and compare it with monsters like Fortnite that are out there and just constantly, uh, they almost seem to be like money creators, right? They're, they're, they, they should be going ahead and standing in place of the Fed right now because they're going ahead and adding to the inflation by just printing money nonstop. Um, but yeah, that, that's the big one. And we had a further article out of Eurogamer that gave a little bit more details about the Crossfire X cancellation, which um you know mixed mixed feelings on that one it's going to be shut down uh may 18th uh but that one was developed kind of splitly uh where you had smilegate was going ahead and they were the korean if i remember right uh korean studio that built a multiplayer uh and then in conjunction with remedy uh you know of alan wake and control caliber um, went ahead and developed the standalone, or not standalone, but the, the single player campaign to it. So a lot of cancellations here. Um, obviously, we're looking down the pipe and we see a lot of good 
new game announcements and everything coming out this year. But I mean, this kind of sets things off on a, on a sad tone starting off the year. What do you What do you think, Mister Mother Down? Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a bummer, uh, but not something that I couldn't see coming. I guess you know we've kind of discussed that before. Unfortunately, there's just so many options out there for people and you've only got so much time to dedicate to something. So yeah, the live service thing, it's, it can really only work for, you know, so many titles as a whole or whatever. Uh, especially if it is free to play, uh, to start with. So yeah, that was kind of the trouble that knockout city ran into, um, even back for blood, which was, you know, not free to play. They've kind of announced that they're, they're done working on it. You know, uh, there's not going to be new, new content, you know, continuously evolving because that just wasn't working out. Uh, and I mean, that's okay. You know, not every game has to live forever or be given, you know, new content updates all the time. If you can, if you can make a solid core game and, you know, deliver a fun experience that people can enjoy then you know, that's okay. It can live and breathe and run its course and whatever. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see. I mean, that's obviously the the big push from all the publishers and everything. It's, you know, we want that recurrent spending or whatever. There's a lot of competition in that now, but I don't know. It's hard. You know, I guess they're trying to avoid 70 and 80 and whatever, you know, dollar uh, price increase, you know, or MSRP increase on stuff. But we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, uh, right, rightly or wrongly, um, you know, how I kind of went off on, on Ubisoft with uh, when we talked about their cancellations and what's going on in their corporate culture and, uh, you know, strikes that their their employees may be having. I, I think it bottom line comes back down to, and, and hell do I know, right? Because my experience is super okay. limited from doing some QA stuff back when. Um, but I, my bottom line is just make a good game. Just make a good right. game. Don't try and shoehorn in all this microtransaction stuff left and right. Just build a good game. And if people enjoy it, the word of mouth is going to go ahead and have it take off. And I think that's kind of what we saw with some of these. And, and I highlight Knockout City because, I mean, that thing like just came out in September, right? Uh, September or August or some somewhere in the early wow. fall. Um, so, I mean, it didn't even really get much time to grow and walk around before they just said, nope, it's not doing it for us. So... Um, it's a little unfortunate, and, and I think, again, it just comes back to the, the gamers will speak with their wallets, but I, th I just hope that publishers aren't leaning too much on the wallets as opposed to they are um, critical and you know consumer feedback, uh, because I think that's going to go ahead when you get in the good graces of the people whom you're trying to sell to, that's when they're going to go ahead and come back and, and want to give you some more. Uh, speaking of wanting to give you more... Uh, here I went ahead and I just you know drug their name through the mud, uh, referring to Ubisoft, and they went ahead and they uh, are coming out and surprising us yet again by going ahead and they've announced the Crew Motorfest. So uh, this follows on the heels of the Crew Two a couple years back. Um, this one is going to be centered in Hawaii, which I will definitely love because I'm trying to retire out there. Um, but uh, so if you're familiar with how the crew goes, it's basically, you know, a big a big style racing game. But you are able mid race to go ahead and change from, let's say, a car to a boat to a plane to com continue the rest of the route. Um, little interesting choice, uh, I think, when, when we're looking at this one, because you're talking about a cup an island chain. Right. 
the largest of which is Hawaii proper. And it's still not that big of an island. So it's interesting because they also highlight Oahu and, and Honolulu and a couple of areas in here. So I'll be very interested to see this. It definitely has the mm, distinct smell of a uh, Forza style game. Um, but again, with its crew influence of being able to, to swap your vehicle type, uh, I'll, I'll be looking forward to it. It looks like a nice little color palette. It looks like it could be fun and something I'd definitely be willing to try out. What do you, what do you think, Mo? Uh, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I, I kind of am intrigued by the idea as well. You know, I mean, if it is going to be kind of uh, a Forza Horizon, uh, essentially invitation, but with the, yeah, implementation of the, you know, okay, so we're racing along this island and now we're in a boat and we're in a race to this next one or whatever. I mean, that that could be pretty cool. You know? uh, and if they can... If they can put it all in an engine where it's going to run well and be, you know, pretty seamless and everything, like that's, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I, I'm here for it. I'll, I'll keep an eye out. <laughs> yeah, game engine seems to be a hot topic right now. Are going to be released in uh, 2033 ish. Uh... <laughs> yeah, something like that. But uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and talk more about uh, for, uh, Forza, CSF Forza, <laughs> uh, the crew motorfaced uh, as soon as uh, we can get some more information on it. So um, something, uh, uh, I, I wish my, my Nintendo comrade was here to go ahead and rejoice with me. Uh, so we got some Nintendo news, guys, we can finally talk about. So uh, if you have been a Switch owner, and particularly a Nintendo Switch Online member for some time, you remember when Nintendo went ahead and they brought out the game vouchers. Well, guess what? They're back. That's right. So for uh, a lovely $100 price tag, uh, you can go ahead and get two game vouchers that can be used, obviously, for two different games. Well, what does this do? Essentially, it goes ahead and when you consider that a game is normally a $60 price point, it gets you a $10 discount. Um, I personally use these. I'm trying to remember what I used them for the last time. I want to say it was for Xenoblade Chronicles title, maybe. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I already know, me personally, uh, I, I've got a $50 credit uh, already with Nintendo, so that's going to knock this uh, cost of these vouchers down in half. You do need to go ahead and redeem them uh, within 12 months of purchase. So for me... Uh, I'm thinking I've been holding off for a while. I think I'm going to go ahead and get that uh, Pokemon Arceus, uh, kind of that open world Pokemon style game. And then I think I might save the second one for a certain uh, Tears of the Kingdom style game that, that might be coming out. <laughs> right. Oh, my God, everybody. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll, see, uh, we'll see what happens. But, you know, if they let me, hell, yeah, I'll go ahead and use it on, on Zelda. Um, that would be cool. So what uh, do you have any thoughts on this one? I know you don't have a you know a I, switch yeah, yourself, but I I other than that I'm glad that people will hopefully be able to get some kind of deals out of that. Uh, yeah, I don't, but yeah, uh, Zelda is certainly a good choice. Great deal for you. Yeah, I mean two games for fifty bucks. <laughs> yeah, and I mean so so to be frank, like for anybody get those for anybody who's in the same boat as me that they're usually pretty frugal or whatnot right when it comes to game purchases uh i would highly recommend that you do your research and why do i say that because usually what you find is like black friday and and when those kind of deals come around 
you can find Amazon, uh, maybe even Nintendo proper. You can go ahead and find that they will actually mark down some of those games, believe it or not, to a $40 price point. That's when I've got most of my Nintendo Switch titles was during some of those sales. Um, that being said, there are other titles. The Pokemon titles uh, come to mind. Uh, ba, 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 ba. There's, there's a whole list. If you go on uh, Nintendo.com, you can see the whole list of games uh, that it is eligible for. Um, but that's all I'm saying is make sure you do your research because uh, I would hate for you to go ahead and use the vouchers if you choose to do so. And then you turn around and spend it on something that in a matter of months was going to get marked down to $40. Anyways. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like a lot of the Mario first party stuff, I will say I've seen marked down when it comes to some of those sales. Um, the Pokemon stuff, I almost never see marked down. Um, and I'm trying to think what else. I'm looking through the site right now. Yeah, the, the big one for me is Pokemon. I haven't been in, in back in Pokemon in a while. And quite honestly, it's because they just... They're constantly at that $60 price point. And when you've got so many other things to play, so many, you know, it's it makes it a little hard of a sell to get back into something where you kind of already know what the, the game mechanic is. Um, but yeah, so that's awesome that that is going to be available once again. So if you are a Nintendo Switch owner and, you know, you like uh, saving money, get on in there. Um, moving right along. So we're gonna go ahead and transition into uh, something now that we're 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 gonna get a nice little you know audio cue for it I guess in the future but um, we're affectionately calling it Culture Corner. So as we say, we talk about the news, reviews, and culture surrounding video games. So uh, we want to talk about some of those cultural things. So uh, one thing that came up recently, and I, I'm not gonna lie, I kind of put two and two together, and then I realized I was incorrect in this assertion. But uh, apparently. Uh, we're getting this news out of Dual Shockers, but everybody's kind of been writing about it. Uh, Sims 4 has gone ahead and added some new character customization features, which are trans-inclusive. Uh, so the big things are, um, I want to I wanna make sure I say these correctly. Uh, so the update says, quote, under the body category, all players can find a body scars category with an option for teen and older male sims masculine or feminine frame to add a top surgery scar to their sims end quote there's also uh some stuff about um for diabetics there's um insulin uh the, 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 the insulin injectors there's a whole bunch of stuff that they went ahead and they added to basically have more inclusion uh, when folks want to go ahead and feel that sense of inclusion with their character, right? So we've said before on previous episodes of, uh, of the show that gaming for a lot of folks can be an escape. And what better way to celebrate that escape than celebrating who you are and how you feel you are, et cetera, et cetera. Um, when it comes to this, I could very much see that there would be some parties out there who would not agree with this. I'm thinking certain parents uh, and certain groups out there. That being said, I, I will say as a, how, 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 do I, how do I phrase this? Taking politics out of it, right? Um, I think it's interesting that they went ahead and highlighted that this will be for teen and older Sims characters. So I've never really seen a, a Sim, you know, youthful character that being like in their very younger years like a kid 
Um, but I'm glad that they at least made it so it's like young adult because um, I think we do have a lot of controversy surrounding such things as representation when it comes to the younger age demographics out there. Um, that being said, I thought it was interesting because about the time that this news came out, um, I also, because I have you know stock tickers and everything, twice in one day, uh, my notifications showed me that EA stock dropped like by several points. I don't know if it went a whole 10 point marker, but um, it was enough where I drew my eyes to it and I was like, hey, what's going on with EA? And then I read about this later. I do not necessarily think that it was one and the same, that certain parties went ahead and didn't like it and therefore that took a hit on the stock because EA also had, again, news of the Knockout City cancellation, which was a big bummer for some people. Uh, and they've, of course, they're EA. They're like, you know, the punching bag of the uh, gaming industry. But that being said, uh, Mr. Mow Them Down, what are we thinking about this, this add-in for Sims 4? It's the first kind that I've ever heard of where they're doing this kind of customization to that extent. Uh, is this new for you as well? And what do you think about the societal you know, influence or connotations associated with it? I mean, I don't know. I don't really have any problem with it personally. Uh, I, it's an interesting inclusion, but that's kind of the way that things are starting to move. I can't say I really have any problem. I mean, like, like we discussed previously, uh, if if somebody wants to kind of you know see themselves in their character and you know character creation customization whatever is an option then yeah why not you know I, I don't have a problem with somebody being able to realize themselves you know in their character in the game uh, and I you know I'm not a a person who's opposed to other people in such a such a manner so. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm uh, wondering uh, why probably. you said it like Colonel Sanders, but okay, I got you. <laughs> I'm not opposed to people looking and feeling how they want to in their video games. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, all right, so that that's that for The Sims. That we just, I just thought that was kind of interesting. Wanted to throw that yeah, in the I, show that it's very I, to me. It's good that video games. I think is already a very progressive um, environment, progressive yeah. medium, and then for them to to be moving to that extent with character customization. I thought it was interesting. Yeah, I thought it was good, yeah, I mean, good on I, them. You know, high five, thumbs up from me or whatever. Hey. Okay. Uh, yeah. Moving right along. So this next piece, uh, so mind you, this, this piece is a little bit older, not like super old. It's this year. Um, but it, it came back last month out of VGC. Uh, and it's something that we didn't get to talk about on the show. And so we wanted to go ahead and, and have an opportunity to talk about it since we're in Culture Corner here. Uh, and the title of the article is uh, Majority of Developers See Player Harassment as a Serious Issue, survey suggests. Um, so going through this, something to the effect of 75% of game developers have said that they believe uh, harassment and toxicity among the people who they're trying to market their games to uh, can be a pretty big deal. And it can be uh, very disheartening and you know, affect the quality of life of these developers. Um, I will say to me, it's very frustrating. Like I remember, I can think back to uh, when there was a rumor about God of War Ragnarok's release date coming out 
And I mean, we talked, I'm pretty sure we talked about it on the show, right? So there was Ragnarok's release date was like hinted that it was going to be coming out. And you had these influencers uh, who were going ahead and suggesting, oh, it's going to come out on this date. It's got to be on this date. And then when it didn't, surprise, surprise, what happened? People reacted, but they reacted extremely poorly to even to the extent where some of them were like, sending dick pics to to the developers and everything like that was somehow going to get them what they want this petulant behavior right um so i don't know like we haven't really delved into this a whole lot more i mean we talked about it at length before uh and i think i was even vocal saying i'm i'm on board whether it's microsoft because they've got azure but whoever going ahead and i think gaming community as a whole making a concerted effort to just weed out the 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 piss poor behavior right the toxicity like there's no need for it like this is a medium where we want people to enjoy it we want people to spend more money to grow it to get new characters get new stories get new worlds for us to enjoy and explore but like that type of toxicity and even going to the extent of threatening developers I'm just going to use a big boy word. It's bullshit, right? Like, that that shouldn't be happening because in what other kind of connotation in the world does that work where you go ahead and bully somebody and you get what you want in the, in the end game where you don't get punished, right? I don't know. I'm, I'm done talking. Matt, what do you got? Uh, unfortunately, I'd say too often. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a, you know, POS human being kind of a thing that you're dealing with out there. It's it's a known quantity. Uh, yeah, I, I, I sadly I'm not sure what you do to really battle that other than you know express these thoughts in the community and try and you know I guess uh, help people realize the error of their ways. But uh, yeah, I mean you're you don't want to be too aggressive. You. You can't just come out and be like, well, you know, you guys are just banned. We're not going to take your money anymore because although that would maybe be the the ultimate right thing to do, I guess, if you wanted to try and lay down the hammer, you are also choking off, you know, revenue that you need and whatever. So I don't know. It's complicated. Um, yeah. Uh, not, not a fun position, I guess, in which to be. But uh Hopefully, you know, they'll do the best they can to try and moderate. And we as the fans and the gamers need to try and do our best to try and step in when we can or whatever. And, you know, be the be the voice of reason. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm the, the jerk of the show. I think there needs to be penalties. Like, uh, flat out, I believe that people are going I, to... I don't have a problem with it morally. I just think that as an enterprise that's a hard decision for them to make or whatever because yeah but but you have to think about it also from the other context of like okay cool if you have toxic players out there that are harassing or you know coming after devs like to the point where i can't even remember what the story was off the top of my head but there was literally like a developer whose home address got doxxed and there were people basically making threats like i'm gonna come to your house and blah 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 right like so that is pretty much illegal um and then when you think about it like i would much rather go ahead and cut out one cancerous cell than have it spread to the rest of the body right so i would i would rather go ahead and deny one piece of crap gamer gamer who goes ahead and has toxic behavior 
and lose their money because it's money I don't want rather than go ahead and have them berate and belittle all these other players in a lobby or in a, a game setting or something to the point where those people now want to quit. And now I've potentially just lost uh, financial investment from, you know, dozens or more people. I think I think the juice is worth the squeeze to just cut them off. I, I mean, I don't necessarily disagree with you. Like I said, I mean, morally, I certainly agree. I just, I don't know. I can't speak for them. I'm not in the, in the company, so I can't really... Well, and, and and so looking at it from a, a human perspective, right? There's some <laughs> some justification in saying that people don't inherently want to hurt others or bring harm to others. It's when they themselves are hurting that they kind of lash out and have that kind of behavior. But which I can get, but like gaming's not. Well, it can be your therapy session, but not in the sense where you have to belittle or bring down other people. And I think. Right. Uh, kind of moving along from this story that is where i personally feel like the esa should get involved right if they are kind of like the ngo if you will the non-government organization overseeing a lot of what we do in gaming insofar as uh online uh interactions and what have you and they are part of the uh development team that deals with the esrb and everything um the electronic safety ratings board for those that weren't familiar um then i feel like they should be the shepherds guiding the flock that are all these devs and publishers to say hey let's come under some general understanding and agreement on what some of these you know toxic behaviors are and let's figure out we'll leave it up to you guys you know in your own properties be it playstation xbox nintendo nintendo i would imagine doesn't have a whole lot of toxicity issues in their games but uh and allow those companies to go ahead and penalize as they see fit but you know just getting on the same sheet of music insofar as like what constitutes some of this behavior um and that kind of since i mentioned the esa that kind of moves us into i'm gonna i'm gonna flip the script a little bit here matt um kind of brings us into the next piece which was this huge exclusive and I'm, I'm a little a little beside myself because i'm like really really we didn't see this coming uh but apparently it was big news that now xbox as well as playstation as well as nintendo won't be making physical appearance uh at e3 proper this summer so uh this comes on the heels of i mean last week we went ahead i think it was last week right we talked about the developer direct and we talked about uh phil spencer's interview with uh, uh ign uh, talking about how you know they support e3 uh microsoft is on the board of the esa that goes ahead and really oversees e3 like actually the esa builds e3 um and so the notion of xbox now because playstation's been gone for a minute uh for at least a couple of years since 2018 2019 and Nintendo has been out for a little while in favor of doing their Nintendo Directs on a semi-regular basis. Um, how, what, what, what do we think is, is the big deal here, Matt? To me, I think this is honestly kind of, I don't want to say this is the blow that broke the camel's back or whatever other, you know, cool analogy you want to put in there, but, uh, or the straw that broke the camel's back, right? Um, I don't think this is good. I really don't think this is good for E3, especially because 
This was the one where, um, uh, what is the name of the company? I can never remember the name of the company that's coming in and they have been known to do a lot of these uh, big live events and they are now coming in to take things over. Uh, but it's almost like not giving them a fair shake if they're going to pull out and not even be a part of it. Like we, we were read pop, read pop. That's the, that's the company. Sorry. Um, but we were trying to go ahead and we as G3, we're trying to angle for hopefully sometime in the future, getting to go to an E3 so we can do some interviews and what have you. I'm not going to lie. This kind of disincentivizes that a little bit. Like what, how, how much of a blow do you think this actually is? And what's your, what's your take on it? I mean, yeah, it's, it's certainly not great for the E3 conference, uh, or convention, excuse me, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'd still be interested in going, you know what I mean? If all the major third parties and everything and all the indies and whatever that are still going to show up are going to show up, it would still be worthwhile to go. I mean, for at least, you know, anybody who's trying to be any sort of, uh, you know, I guess, journalist within that uh, particular industry. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I It's... It's probably a better thing for, you know, the big three to just kind of have their regular, just direct feed to their consumers, you know what I mean? Uh, this is what we're doing, we'll, you know, rather than just a, a yearly thing that we got to spend a, you know, a huge amount of money on, we can just, you know, hey, here's our update on what we got going on. I mean, as we discussed, you know, I, I thought the developer direct thing was, if the content that was presented didn't necessarily blow me away entirely still i i very much appreciated the format of you know hey here's what we've got going on in a much easier to digest format rather than hey here's three hours of uh you know a minute long trailer or whatever for something that you gotta watch through and then uh, digest so yeah i mean i'm i'm cool with that uh as far as what that means overall for e3 i mean i don't know We'll see. I hope they can keep it going. But <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's unfortunate. I mean, I think it's almost like a slap in the face when you when you look at it in the sense of Xbox is still going to be there and they're going to uh, very likely coincide their um, you know their Xbox presentation at the Microsoft Theater while E three is going on. So it's kind of like literally having your cake and eating it too right because they're going to be there during e3 week anybody who's there at the la convention center they could just kind of do the whole across the street or down the street thing to go to the microsoft theater to to check out what xbox has got going on and then they can hop back over to the la convention center and and see what's going on for the rest of e3 uh meanwhile xbox doesn't have to pay for you know this giant booth setup or what have you that they would normally have to do at e3 um and I've heard from a number of other parties in the game journalist sphere that have been there for previous E3s that, you know, without Nintendo, without Xbox, and now uh, without Nintendo, Sony, and now Xbox, um, the, the South Hall, where a lot of these, uh, you know, conferences, demos, presentations were previously done, is going to go ahead and it's going to be very barren. It's going to be kind of empty. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to look like 
not E3 anymore, but we'll, we'll see what happens as the date gets closer. Um, who knows? Maybe some of them will reverse course, but we'll see. Um, speaking of reversing course, another what I thought was somewhat heavy hitting news. Um, and, you know, we just kind of tried to slide it in here where we could. Um, so this report out of Bloomberg, so uh, <laughs> out of the man, the myth, the legend. Oh, no, I'm sorry. This was not by Jason Schreier. This was done by Takashi Mochizuki. Um, so uh, basically, you got you got some really good good reporting over there that happens at Bloomberg. But apparently, the allegation is that when PlayStation did not see the pre-order numbers that they were looking for on the PSVR 2, they went ahead and slashed their output projections in half going from 2 million to 1 million for this year um or excuse me now bringing it down to 1.5 that's a little disparaging i think um being somebody who was interested in the headset myself uh that being said i think i can understand because when you ask around it seems like a lot of people point predominantly to the cost of the headset being the most prohibitive you know line item if you will from them wanting to get one is i can't afford it man um and especially then when you think about this is like a whole sub ecosystem that you now have to get into right as of right now playstation plus is not offering vr games monthly like they they used to back when um they stopped doing that several years ago I would love for them to do that right now, but basically, cool, you go ahead and you spend $550, almost $600 on this PSVR 2. Now you're spending, you know, $40, $50, $60 on the games. And and again, because PlayStation isn't, as of right now, adding them into the PlayStation Plus service, that's a a pretty pretty big pill to swallow um, for what is looked at as a niche... uh, environment again within gaming so uh not a vr guy not well somewhat of a vr guy not a playstation guy what are your thoughts on this one mr mow them down uh i mean i i can't recall what were the did they give any number for like pre-orders or whatever uh it wasn't so much like they were planning on selling so many pre-orders but they they said they previously aimed to have uh, two million headsets, um, for the launch or what have you. Uh, but right. now, now after um, they initially started the pre-orders, which I want to say happened mid-January, uh, now they've gone ahead and taken out you know roughly five hundred thousand units. And uh, right, mind you, but some that's... some of the numbers that if I recall hearing, I think the PSVR one only sold something like 5 million units. So well, right, and so I guess I guess the the inquiry was to determine yeah, like whether or not that would be maybe a rational thing if if uh they knew if if they I guess uh imparted the the information to the the journalist or whatever that was covering the article about how many pre-orders they had received, you know, I mean if if demand isn't real high right now because of the aforementioned cost issue. Um, you know, if they get 300,000 pre-orders in, well, maybe we don't need a full 2 million available at launch or whatever for them to just sort of sit around or whatever. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, 
it's not not a good look, I guess, right? Um, to have to backtrack like that, but I mean, at the same time, I can't blame them for having stock that may sit on shelves. You don't want to have to start, you know, discounting stuff too early to try and you know make the units move and whatever. That's also not <laughs> not not the look you want. So, um, hoping that they'll have some success in this regard. I am. It's always kind of intrigued by it, but uh, yeah, I'll admit I'm part of the problem, I guess, because I want to wait and see what happens with it before I commit, because I don't want to spend all the money on it and then have them be like, well, it turns out this hasn't really worked out, so. <laughs> yeah, but I guess, like, that's that's the crazy part to me, right? It's like, uh, here we go again. We're talking, like, new hardware. The juice has got to be worth the squeeze. You, you're going ahead and you're talking about a new piece of equipment that, like I said, when you add in a PS5 and the cost of this thing would be roughly $1,000. Um, and Shuhei Yoshida, who is, um, he's, he's the boss, right? He is like one of the top leads in PlayStation. Uh, he went ahead and I just caught this earlier, just a couple hours ago. He retweeted uh, a YouTube video that someone had created and they're calling it the PSVR 2 sizzle reel. It's 114 games that PlayStation has already gone ahead and announced for the PSVR 2. And so I'm sitting here going, you must really have confidence that the folks that are spending this money on the hardware are going to then go ahead and buy a good chunk of these games, right? Because we keep talking about, oh, the investment's got to be worth it or you know, the, why are there so many devs that are working on this? Now, mind you, there's probably a good deal of those games that are being developed for VR, uh, uh, VR period uh, on PC, and they can be easy ports over to the PSVR 2. Uh, but that's just kind of still wild to me that uh, PlayStation would not try to make it less prohibitive in the way of cost for folks to go ahead and get into this, especially when you have so many titles that are already being announced. I'll tell you what, um, I mean, I'm just going to throw, I'm going to throw our, our video up here. This is just um, some video of me uh, playing some gameplay capture or what have you from uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Yes, Zero Dawn. I'm, you know, working on the beatdown challenge. Um, and this video does not do it any justice compared to how it actually is sitting in front of you on a full HD screen, etc. But uh, the opportunity of going ahead and seeing this world, the world of Horizon firsthand, watching it in VR and getting to like interact with the stuff uh, in the Horizon Call of the Mountain title, like that's really appealing to me. And so, like you guys have previously alluded that uh, jokes that I was gonna be going ahead and be down, and I'd be the one to buy. A PSVR 2 and I honestly did think about it but just like so many of these other folks that cost man that cost completely you know knocked me out of the running for it um and yeah so I hope that there's something that they can do I, I would hate to see uh support get cut like we literally just talked about support getting cut for so many game titles earlier in the show right I would hate to see support get cut for something like this very real very awesome hardware that playstation's got coming in a psvr2 because it just costs too damn much you know yeah i mean that's always the risk with you know that particular technology it is still as you mentioned kind of a niche thing and uh, the you know uh, lesser your size of market the 
more costs you're going to be looking at paying. I mean, it's specialized stuff. Um, well, let me throw yeah, this one at that you. Is, that is going to be a barrier, you know, and we'll have to see how it works out for them. Uh, I, give me, I guess, a, a second beyond unless you ask your question. But, yeah, like the 114 games thing, if, if it's something where, you know, developers can just port over, may not necessarily be a huge cost or anything for Sony. And, I mean, if they want to try and then, you know, hey, we're getting rid of the the collection because now we're going to maybe start trying to bring in some of those VR games into the, uh, you know, like the premium tier or whatever subscription service or whatever, then that could maybe help alleviate, you know, offset whatever it costs for the consumer, help to provide incentive for people to get in on the, uh, on the plan. And I guess maybe into the VR thing or whatever. Um, I don't know. We'll see. I, yeah. Time, time will tell. We'll have to see what their what their ploy is, but um, yeah, hopefully they've got a got a plan. I guess figured out for how they're going to make this profitable for themselves, um, and not you know buy out their consumer, price out the consumer. So, what was your question going to be? I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I mean, I was going to ask you. So, you you got a VR set for the PC, right? How many yeah. independent VR games? Not like add-ons, like. I don't know, like No Man's Sky has got a VR add-on. Resident Evil has its VR add-on. Like, how many no-crap VR games have you gone ahead and independently bought for that system? Uh, That's a good question. I mean, it's been forever since I played. That was, you know, years ago at this point, man. I I need to get that thing hooked back up. But uh, I, I don't know. I purchased maybe 10 or so titles. It was just kind of a smattering of stuff. Um, pieces that I had could only handle so much anyway or whatever. Um, but it was, it was fun. Uh, but what I did do was, uh, HTC has some kind of like Vive port, uh, subscription thing or whatever you pay, I don't know, eight, nine, ten bucks or something a month. And you can basically download any title you want, but you can only have like a the maximum of five installed at a time or something you can play those as much as you want and then you it's it's a gamefly type of service but it's, you know you download everything or something but uh but it was uh, that was pretty legit so yeah i mean I've, I've played more than i have purchased uh thanks to thanks to that subscription though um uh, so yeah i mean i i think sony would be wise in trying to offer that up especially if you know, because you're saying 114 games, and I'm like, man, I'll have to look that up because, yeah, that that doesn't seem right that they that they would be developing that many or whatever. Because um, yeah, that does yeah, seem they bold, are definitely you know? not. No. <laughs> uh, right. So yeah, I mean, if it's stuff that's being ported over and or that they're also including games that technically support usage of the headset, you know what I mean? So like, uh, Arc, you could technically, I could technically put on my headset or whatever and play like that. But it wasn't actually like really a VR mode or anything. It was just you could use the headset or whatever. So uh, depending on how they're reaching that count, I guess would be a big part of that. But but you know if if a lot of those are not necessarily a huge cost to them for direct development stuff, then yeah, trying to make those available, you know, at a, a lesser margin or whatever, but to try and draw people into the the hardware ecosystem or whatever and purchase those those bigger bigger titles they're pumping out or whatever you know that that would be a solid plan 
<laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you right now, Sony. I'm subscribed to the premium tier. You go ahead and you start plugging away and giving some free, you know, some free PSVR two games in that premium tier. I'll go ahead and buy that that system. Until then, I'm I'm in the boat with everybody else where I'm saying it's too cost prohibitive. All right. Anywho, Moon Ride Along. So uh, say yeah. What say ye? <laughs> um, so last big piece of news. Um, so this Give one. This one got a lot more attention this week. We kind of talked about it last week, but it got more a lot more attention in the past couple of days because, surprise, surprise, uh, Jason Schreier, the the investigative reporter, man, myth, legend, went ahead and did some uh, writing and put it in a Bloomberg article uh, highlighting a lot of the critical points, uh, and dare I say critical points of failure going on with 343 Industries right now and Halo. So... Uh, apparently, um, from his reporting, the project codenamed Tatanka is no crap in the works, and um, it's going to be using Unreal Engine instead of Slipspace. Um, he also highlighted a couple, like I said, dare I say, failing points because um, 343 is only a staff of like high 300s, low 400s. Um, and with the recent uh, Microsoft layoffs, 95 employees had to get let go from 343. So they basically lost about a quarter of their staff. Um, we heard a number of the stories before, during, before the launch of, and then during the development of, before the launch of, and then after the, the launch of Halo Infinite, how there was so much contractor work that was being focused into developing that game. And like... You know, those folks are limited by their actual contract to something like, you know, 12 to 18 months, depending on the scope of the work. Um, we've got Bonnie Ross that went ahead and, and left 343 some time ago for uh, what she said was family stuff. We got all the different heads uh, that are moving around with uh, Halo now. Um, the other name that I heard recently, Kiki Wolfkill, who is the one who. Uh, went ahead and kind of spearheaded the uh, Halo TV series. She, I guess, has changed titles. She's no longer working with that. She's working something else with, with Microsoft and entertainment. Um, but it definitely begs the question, especially when, when we hear about, you know, kind of like where there's smoke, there's fire kind of deal, right? In the sense of a lot of key players are saying yes uh, the Unreal Engine thing is happening. And, you know, we've already talked about uh, Certain Affinity has been working with them um, to try and go ahead and build out whatever this new project is. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say, based on what I've heard this week, right, because, like I said, this has gotten a lot of traction uh, in the gaming news arena this week. Um, a lot of folks are saying whatever this is, it needs to hit and it needs to hit hard. If it's a reboot to Halo or if it's an additive experience, um, it needs to be really good because right now, um, I mean, there was even in, in the Jason Trier article, there was even talks that basically you had teams that were working on different things other than the game proper. Um, and so for Halo Infinite where, you know, people were looking forward to and excited about new single player DLC um, the seasons 
for the multiplayer component have been coming out pretty sparingly like definitely not on any regular cadence it begs the question of like what what the heck is going on to me having managed projects and, and people within projects before when i'm when i'm hearing well you had a bunch of people working on different stuff i'm like what the hell were you doing what 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 was your management style like were you just like throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what would stick and go that's a great idea let's go with that um I don't know. It, it makes me a little bit concerned. Before, so I wasn't necessarily concerned. Now I'm a little bit concerned, but I think I'm going to reassure myself and my concerned nature by saying, here's what I hope and think that certain affinity is working on. If, if they are, in fact, going ahead and building a Halo experience from the ground up in Unreal Engine, I want it to be the... And it needs to be something that's going to draw players in, Right. I want it to be that Halo game that we talked about offline forever ago that I said basically what Halo Wars should have been where, you know, you and let's say Snipe and I were in a squad and he decides he wants to be the driver. So he's driving uh, the Pelican and flying us in and we can go kind of a la, um, not necessarily if you, if y'all can remember if anybody ever played that before, Battlefield 2 on the Xbox 360, where you'd be the soldier on the ground, and then you'd look over and you could flash over and now be the driver of this tank, or you could flash over and now be the driver of this helicopter. Like basically that fully encompassed World War type experience set in Halo. Uh, and you can have it with all your different factions, be it, you know, the UNSC, the Covenant, uh, you can have the forerunners. You could have um, uh, 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 crap. What's uh, what's the ones they just introduced in Halo Infinite, or they talked about um, that was going to come back? Uh, uh, you know who I'm talking about the the other alien race, right? Like you, you could have so many different. <laughs> and then I think back to. Um, uh, she just before? I don't even, I don't and then I think back to Mag on PS3, where you had this super large map scenario and your factions were fighting over critical points uh, and basically created the ebb and flow of war um, with who was winning or who had to had to recede out of the battlefield kind of deal. I would love if they do that. Man, I would love it. Just give me every vehicle. Just give me all the weapons. Let us kind of do our own thing. Set up our own strategy, you know, a la Battlefield. Um, have some unique uh, gameplay opportunities in there. They went ahead and they introduced power seeds in Halo Infinite. So make it so, you know, you got to collect so many power seeds and bring them to this core um, to go ahead and launch a missile to go ahead and devastate one part of the battlefield. And now your faction has gone ahead and now wins that that part of the war or something you know like something grandiose that feels halo like i would like it to be that i'd like it to be that instead of just some standard bs battle royale but that's just me what what do you think about this news of 343 and you know like we said all all the the where the smoke there's fire kind of going on right now yeah i mean it's all pretty troubling for 343 and it's not looking real good for Infinite as a result either. I mean, at the moment, they've lost a whole bunch of people. And clearly, I mean, it, 
it seems like yes uh things are definitely moving on to the unreal engine uh it's not i don't know man that that was always one of the issues with the development of infinite was the subspace engine i mean that it's it's difficult to create an engine these days you know there's quite a lot that's involved with that as you're trying to satisfy new technologies and everything the, the modern game uh that's yeah uh so i it's not shocking i guess it's unfortunate and I, i'm assuming that infinite you know we're not going to get any any new campaign stuff like we were hoping and that's that seems like that's probably pretty much out of the question at this point the multiplayer is going to keep running for as long as they can, as long as they keep getting people spending money on the battle pass and whatever. Uh, yeah, uh, the Tatanka or whatever with Creative Infinity that has always been rumored to be the the battle royale Halo. Uh, Halo BR BR best. Uh, I'm hoping like you that yeah, that's not what it is. It'd be cool if as they were building that out, they said, hey, you know, uh, yeah, let's actually try and uh work in the vision of you know what halo was originally going to be as a real-time strategy or whatever and then we'll do the you can command any troop you know at any point or whatever as well you know the first person perspective or whatever and so yeah then uh, a la the battlefield 2 thing yeah if you could just swap around between soldiers or whatever on the fly and then also zoom out to be the commander thing or you know implement the multiplayer in whatever way you can uh, however the engine can handle it that'd be pretty awesome man uh, so yeah, we'll see. I, somehow I doubt it, and it's just gonna be a, a battle royale that won't go anywhere. But uh. <laughs> dude, I'll I'll give him another one. This this one's free, right? So Halo is huge. Hey, the Halo universe is huge. I, there's there's at least I've got at least eight, if not a dozen Halo books in my library. Um, I know there's more than that. There's comics like this Halo universe is so big and you have so many different opportunities to tell story. Just I, I don't even care. I don't even like call it Halo chapters or something. Right. <laughs> Especially if you're going to go ahead and use so much of the um, the contractor workforce. I think the contractor workforce could go ahead, especially in Unreal 5, if the whole reason why they're moving to Unreal 5 is because of having more expedited productivity and, and you know putting things together, then I think it's safe to say that the contractors that you have on for a short hire time could also fall under you know different projects and everyone could create chapters. So you'd have like an ODST chapter. You could have a Sergeant Johnson chapter. You could have a, a, a Spartan Kai, you know, referring to Halo TV series. But you could have so many different stories that are played out in this universe because Unreal Engine, if you remember, like when we saw Unreal Engine introduced way back when with like Gears of War and we were like, oh, it looks kind of muddy and very bland and there wasn't a lot to it. But then as it became more uh, exposed and utilized by other developers, dude, you saw so many different shapes and colors and templates and everything being used that like you, you almost had to look twice and be like, wait, 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 this is an Unreal game? So I think that they could have so much creativity where they wouldn't feel um, so set in stone that this has to look like Halo either. Um, just, dude, there you go. Xbox, use that one. That's free. Just get some good writers if you're going to go ahead and do some stories. 
Um, but that's, yeah, I, I'm very concerned at this point for 343 and what they're going to do. Um, you know, people have said they're Xbox. They can't let Master Chief and Halo fail. Like, the guy is on the box. Um, I understand that. But, I don't know. You need to you need to do something to tap in with the current user base of today. I don't, I don't know how you necessarily do that. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll figure that out in short order. Sorry. I had a little audio playing here that I tried to not... Uh, not over overpower, um, but I probably could play it because it is something that hopefully everybody has got their eyes peeled for, and that is the Last of Us series on HBO. So we didn't really get to talk about this on the last episode. This will kind of be our last big big uh, segment here, uh, Mister Mow Them Down. As we go ahead and we talk about it, um, you and I talked offline. Uh, all three of us talked offline about. Uh, episode three and how we thought that went and um yeah looking at it here apparently place playstation done good because their uh intent if it was their intent on going ahead and having more engagement and driving sales for uh some of their games by folks outside of the gaming sphere seeing some of this uh media product has worked out because it looks as though um, this is being reported out of IGN. Uh, sales uh, for The Last of Us Part 1, so that being you know the remake uh, on PS5. This is only the UK chart sales, so we don't really know insofar as like other regions, but uh, the sales went up 238%. Wow. And then on top of it, I can tell you from first-hand experience, I was out um, at a course this week, and there was at least two people that I heard from out of uh, two people out of 18, 19 people that went ahead and said that they had started playing Last of Us on PlayStation 5 because of the show. So clearly it's working out. Um, that being said, you know, we kind of talk about it offline. Uh, I like avoiding spoilers to the max extent possible, but we can feel free to talk about uh, the show thus far. Uh, the latest episode, you know, we're recording on Saturday, so I think we're both looking forward to the next one tomorrow. Um, yeah. And what you, what you think about all this with uh, the correlation with game sales? I mean, I I think that's great for them. That's uh, certainly a I can't imagine it's an, that's an unintended consequence, but uh, it's certainly a nice one for them to benefit from. Uh, oh, excuse me. Uh, otherwise. Yeah, the show has has been fantastic. I am very much looking forward to the next episode. Um, yeah, Whew. boy, man, that episode three, like that's that's gonna be a hard one to beat. That was that was a pretty impressive uh, hour plus whatever it was of television. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess we don't want to get into spoilers or whatever. We can have a more at length. I mean, I'll, I'll just discussion of uh, the season. I'll, I guess, I'll just tell everybody. I'm not afraid to tell everybody. I cried. I cried during that episode because there choked, was choked me up a bit as well. Yeah, uh, there was a couple uh, points that were very. Uh, I'll say it was well written and there was good acting. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, that was uh, like. Yeah, the the fact that it's a video game adaptation, it's just, it's like, man, okay, cool. Well, way to set the bar for, like, you know, television, film media, whatever, medium in general or whatever, and also it 
being a video game adaptation or whatever it's like cool this is cool you know like a video game <laughs> show is is gonna win some awards or whatever then awesome you know uh and i'm still very curious to see like the response of you know the the greater audience or whatever that hasn't played the game doesn't really know about it you know like how they're all gonna respond once we get to the end you know they see what's up and they're like oh. uh so yeah i don't know uh, it's cool, man. It's also been really cool to see that the show has been doing so well. It's like it's been setting, like, HBO internal records for, like, growth between, you know, episodes or whatever consecutively as it goes. So, yeah, I don't know. I I am impressed, and I'm glad that it's doing well. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Um, it definitely makes me look forward to, now, who knows, right? Because HBO kind of has its own uh, caliber of... Um, you know, performance and media and, and, and that they try and strive for. But uh, I've heard a lot of comparisons lately, um, not very favorable ones when referring to the Halo TV series, um, <laughs> you know, by comparison. And then I look forward to, you know, we got a God of War show that should be coming on Amazon Prime. Um, or Prime Video, we've got a uh, Fallout show. Also, there's a Fallout show. Yeah, I think that's on coming out on Prime Video Prime. as well. Yeah. Um, there's there's a lot of stuff. The Gears of War movie, which I think is coming out on Netflix, and then there's another like there's a lot of stuff coming out, right? Um, but it presents a lot of good opportunity. I think 2023. If any of these things hit in 2023. It is going to be a fantastic year between games and the portrayal of games um, going out there. Um, and I actually, so I didn't catch it <laughs> until I saw it on social media, but I like the, the Easter egg within episode three um, where somebody who's been around the games industry for a while went ahead and said, oh, it's interesting to watch, um, you know, watch uh, Last of Us on HBO and I see some of my work being played in uh in that episode you know in the uh particularly the i think it's the gas station where they stop off right and ellie goes ahead and starts messing with something uh, a machine yeah, of some sort I, I don't believe it was functional but uh, no it wasn't functional but it's just it's, it's yeah. amusing that they you know, kind of recalled oh, yeah. that, especially when you think of the movie properties and, and television properties yeah, yeah. associated with that. Uh, but yeah, no, it's definitely a good show. Uh, and I'm looking forward to watching a whole lot more of it. But uh, with that, we're finally done with all of our news, all of our segments, and we're finally moving into release radar. And I'll tell you what, guys, it's going to be a quick one. <laughs> Uh, basically, with what we got, we got uh, Endling Extinction is Forever on iOS and Android February 7th. And we got Hogwarts Legacy coming out on PS5, Xbox Series uh, consoles, and PC February 10th. And that's it. At least until next week's show. That's the only, <laughs> that's the only ones that are going to be coming out. So uh, let, let's, let's do full circle here. Matt, what, you've been, uh, what, what on this are you interested in? And then what you've been doing, what you've been playing, where can the people find you? Uh, I mean, I don't know that I was really interested in the game, but I guess I'm curious to see how the release for the Hogwarts game does. Uh, it's been an interesting, uh, I guess, circumstance or whatever, uh, controversy or whatever around the game 
due to the association and I don't know. That's unfortunate, but I get it. Uh, yeah. Curious to see how that one does. Uh, otherwise, uh, yeah, what you been doing? What you been playing? Uh, what you got going on? <laughs> I mean, it's pretty, pretty, pretty obvious, dog. Uh, so I am actually interested in Hogwarts Legacy. Like all the stuff I've seen, um, I understand, and this is this may be an unpopular opinion. I understand uh, how the that universe's creator feels about certain members, uh, like LGBTQIA communities, um, and I quite frankly don't care like i feel like i can separate that thought and feeling by that one individual with all the work that these people clearly love that universe and love the concept of of game development have put time sweat and energy into um and it looks good like anything i've seen of it i was like wow i'm actually kind of impressed about this game and so we'll see if i can get my hands on it but other than that uh, what have I been doing? What have I been playing? You're truly known as Ice and all things gaming and social media. I have been uh, watching Last of Us, enjoying that. I have been working on uh, my Backlog Beatdown Challenge. Uh, again, particularly Horizon uh, Zero Dawn. Not for Ben West, but Zero Dawn. And if my PlayStation trophies are anything to go by, I, I think I literally have two more trophies to earn before i end you know complete the storyline of the game and uh based on that based on where i am in in the that physical world space i think i'm pretty close to getting one of those two so i i think i will go ahead and be able to get it done before i fly out uh on wednesday evening um so we we said next week that the 10th i think was the the deadline and so that would be cutting it very close, but I think I might actually get it done in time. Uh, I did go ahead and dabble a little bit on uh, Xbox, uh, and that was predominantly for, you know, some some achievements, some quests type stuff. Um, by the way, you know, I'm, I'm not going to highly, highly advertise this because I don't want people to do it, and all of a sudden, like, they take it away. But if you guys have an Xbox and you are a part of Microsoft Rewards... Highly recommend you check out that uh, rewards app because it's got a lot of good stuff in there, including a monthly auto renew for your Game Pass Ultimate. So, um, other than that, um, yeah, that's really about it. The rest of it has been work stuff and getting ready for this trip. Um, So you guys will, I won't be here next week. You guys will be on your own. Um, But yeah, that's about it, man. That's about it. There's a lot of stuff I want to be playing, but I'm hooked in, in Horizon right now, and I want to finish that. So, it's legit. Uh, yeah, I've, I've, I need to get back to Half-Life 2. Uh, Age of Empires came out, and it's been distracting me. But uh, Somebody going to miss yeah. their deadline. I don't know. I, I kind of doubt it. I can't imagine it's that long. Um, I just kind of ran into a section that I was stuck on for for a moment because i couldn't figure out what the hell i was supposed to be doing but uh, i got past that so um i don't know i've got you know a week or whatever i don't think i should be able to get it <laughs> but otherwise yeah uh, that's that's about it i haven't really i've really been up to a whole lot of that i've really done a whole lot of gaming more yeah watching the last of us uh checking out some other stuff getting caught up on uh Box Machina or whatever. 
What's that one? Oh, uh, The Legend of Vox Machina. Uh, it's on uh, Prime. They're into their second season now, but uh, it's like an animated uh, retelling of one of the Critical Role campaigns or whatever. Uh, it's honestly, it's honestly pretty damn good. Like, I, I don't know if you're familiar with Critical Role at all, but uh, it's uh, no. it's a, like a group of uh, voice actors and such they get together and play Dungeons and Dragons and they've been filming themselves playing for I don't know seven years or something um I could totally but, see uh, why you're into that <laughs> yeah the uh the DM is Matt Mercer who is the voice of uh whatever McCree's name is now in uh Overwatch um and then uh, one of the characters is uh, voiced by Ashley Johnson, or played by a Ashley Johnson, who is the voice of Ellie in uh, The Last of Us games. Uh, yada, yada. Uh, so they, uh, I guess, have gotten together with some animation studio or whatever and have produced now like a, a retelling or whatever in an animated series. And it's honestly... It's honestly pretty badass. Um, I've I've been really impressed with that. So between that and Last of Us, I've, I've been enjoying some good TV uh, here lately. Uh, yeah, uh, I I would definitely recommend checking it out. It might not be for you, but honestly, I I would at least give it a shot and see what you think. I mean, it's it's a uh, very adult in theme and humor and whatever, but uh, it's good. All right, sounds good. So we'll add that to the to the backlog of things to watch. <laughs> All right, so with that being said, that's going to wrap it up for episode 75 of Gaming's Greatest Generation podcast. Uh, we hope that you guys once again consider liking, subscribing. Feel free to hit us up. Um, you can find us on YouTube at G3 underscore podcast. Uh, you can email us at gamings greatest generation at gmail.com. Hit us up with any questions. You can give us a call. I don't have the number off the top of my head, but <laughs> you can email or, or find it uh, and we will have you know a means of reaching out to you. Uh, that being said, feel free to also check the show notes for our link tree and you can see all the different uh, listen on demand services that we are uh, available. Or let me point that way. Uh, the listen on demand services that we're available on. And with that being said, remember everybody, gaming's greatest generation is the one you guys are a part of. Thanks guys. <laughs>